Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. uh, Today, my series, uh, if I can get through, if I can do that today, wrap up my series from the last, uh, really from the start of the year uh, through to today. And uh, if, if, listen, if you uh, have been here, you will know this. It's a it's a reminder. I feel like this series has been a reminder to all of us that God's not interested in us scraping our way into heaven. God's not interested in us to have a life that is just literally, yeah, I made it. God is about growing and enlarging and becoming all that we were created to be. That, that is a picture of what God has got for us. And I see it continually in these verses we've been reading through in Colossians chapter 3. Let me give you a 30 second recap of Colossians chapter 3. If you've missed what's been going on, let me give you a recap. Basically, Paul starts and says, seek what is above. He says, we're dead in Christ. Now we've been risen and made alive in Christ. He goes further and he says, we're going to change. Don't stay the same. Take off your attitudes. Take off your way of living. Take off your actions and put on a whole new way of living. If you walk into this room and you say, I don't need to change, Uh, I'm just going to be me and you can deal with that. Listen, Paul said change. If you want to be an idiot for the rest of your life, listen to Paul's words. He said change. He spoke to me, he spoke to you, he spoke to all of us. He went on and said, hey, listen, the kingdom culture is the fact that we are all one uh, one in Christ. We're all one together. We're all one in who we are. He went on and said, let peace rule in our lives. Let it be the director. Uh, listen, if you weren't here on that Sunday, I know I've heard from so many people of just God's words speaking so clearly into their lives through that season. It was powerful. Uh, we talked uh, about the fact that God's called us to serve together and be a part of one body. Uh, and then he said, everything we do is for God. Uh, last week, uh, we, we got through just a couple of verses, didn't quite make it through. And I'm going to pick that up uh, this week. But the three takeaways were this from last week. For the young people in the room, your parents know some stuff. So listen, can I have an amen from some parents that liked that point last week? Can I have an amen from some parents that brought that up continually to your kids last week? Uh, we looked at husbands submitting, uh, been loving your wives, wives submitting to your husbands. Uh, please don't put up your hand if your husbands have brought that scripture up last week. If you did, you weren't listening. Uh, We also talked about where kids come from for their parents. We had children going out crying, uh, realising that that's where mum and dad, how they made you. Andrew Jones, uh, I I, uh, put up a story uh, on Friday night. Wendy and I having a date night at home. I was cooking mud crab and fish for her, but my youngest son was home as well. Uh, Andrew Jones uh, messaged Jordan and said, if you hear Bert Bacharach going on, run out of the house. Uh, Thank you for that, Andrew Jones. Uh, that was a lot of fun last week. So let's get further into the Word of God. You ready for this? Awesome. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 from verse 22 onwards, verse 22 to verse 25. Can I just, before I do that, can I stop for a second? Uh, Listen, Paul here is addressing something that was culturally different to our understanding of culture. Uh, Some translations translate this passage of Scripture different to how we see it in the King James and the New King James. Uh, he's talking here about being bondservants, but many times it's interpreted slaves. And he's speaking to 
people that are working. If, let me help you understand. A bond servant was someone that was a slave and has now moved from being a slave. They've earned their freedom and now works for the same person because they care for that person. They choose to be there and get paid. There was no such thing in these days of Paul speaking as the word employee. This wasn't a word, it's an English word that has been uh, added to our vocabulary over the time. Now, I understand one of the great blights on humanity was slavery. I understand how much it has affected the, the culture even of 21st century living and how we are alive today. We've seen over the last few years a, a resurgence in an understanding that this has even affected our thinking and our psyche right now. And I want to be really clear. I am grateful for men and women that raised up hundreds of years ago and said, listen, slavery is wrong. We need to abolish it from the British Empire, from the world we live in today. But let me also be really clear about this. Slavery still exists in the world we live in today. We do It's Not Okay because it's speaking about the fact there's more slaves in the world today, in the Asian nations right across the globe, young women in sexual slavery right now. It's not okay. And, and one of the great influences of City Point is to say, it's not okay that this still exists right now. Uh, young women, as young as 10, are in slavery, in sexual slavery right now. And it is heartbreaking that that's the case. But let me add, it was heartbreaking that it was the case hundreds of years ago. And the great effect that it had on our world. Know this, it was Christians that came out of the moves of God that arise and said, listen, slavery is wrong in our nation. Slavery is wrong and it needs to change. I'm grateful for men like William Wilberforce and many others that rose up and saw that happen. Paul is not saying slavery is okay. He's speaking to a cultural picture that was a, that was a part of the world in that time. And can I, before I even go into Scripture, just clarify that and clarify any thinking. And, and if you need to discuss that after, listen, I'm... 100% happy to discuss that with you after or any of the leaders in the house to talk this through and help you understand what Paul was trying to say here. Verse 22. Is that okay? Can I address that this morning? Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as with men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance as you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Paul starts here in verse 2 and he basically says this, Workers, obey your bosses. Workers, listen to your bosses. Listen, I got a lot of amens from some of the stuff I've preached over the last couple of weeks. But I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of amens just as I started preaching this message. I understand that most of us sit in the room and tell me right now that you've got a terrible boss and your boss is hard on you. My boss spoke just before there, Pastor Mark Ramsey. He is an amazing man of God. And I'm grateful for Pastor Mark and Lee Ramsey in my life and the great bosses that I've had. But listen, before I worked in church, I was a roof tiler and I had the worst boss in the world. I had a boss that wouldn't let me even talk about Jesus at work. I had a boss that would swear at me every day as I was walking up a ladder carrying two buckets of concrete. He was yelling at me to hurry up. I had one of those bosses. Listen, I understand there is a pain sometimes in dealing with bosses. But I read in the Scripture that God actually cares about our work environment. 
Listen, if we go back through all the things that we talked about, God talks about our life. He talks about the culture we live in. He talks about how we interact with others. He talks about so many different things. But now Paul is addressing an area of our life that is really interesting that he addresses it. And Paul doesn't just address it. Others do right through the Word of God. I read into this that God actually cares about our work and how we are at work. How we outwork our lives how we outwork who we are. He starts and says, bond servants, obey the masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases. If you don't know what that means, here is the simple English of it. Don't just work hard when your boss is looking. Anyone got a work colleague that's one of those people? Anyone got anyone that's like, when the boss is there, they're like, ah, shoveling, digging. When the boss is not there, leaning on the shovel. When the boss is there typing on that computer, they're doing it awesome. They're doing, oh yes, clients, we're making millions of dollars today. When the boss is not there, they're like in the smoker room for like five hours having the longest lunch you've ever seen. This is what he says. He says, listen, when you're serving, when you're at work, when you're an employee, when you're out working your life, don't just work hard when the boss is looking at you. Make sure that you're actually working hard continually in your life. And he goes on, he says, as if you're not just working for men, but as if you're working and serving God. What a big statement. Listen, Paul also addresses this with a Thessalonian church. In chapter 10, he says, For even when you were, uh, so when we were with you, we commanded you of this if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Anyone notice that? You need money to buy food these days. Neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. I love this piece of Scripture. Can I, just, can I give you modern day English? You're all staring at me like, what is Paul talking about? This is the modern day part of it. Go out and get a job or you'll be hungry because you'll have no money to buy food. I hear, he says, there are people in your church that won't work, sit around and listen when they're sitting around, they're getting idle and they're becoming gossipers and they're worrying about everyone else's business instead of worrying about their own business because they're bored at home, just becoming losers. I added the losers part. I don't quite necessarily read that in the Scriptures, but that's the gist of what he's trying to say. In the modern day aspect of it, Paul is talking about there is a responsibility for us to get a job and to work and to outwork our lives in an important way. Listen, if, you don't, if you're unemployed today, I'm not trying to point a finger. I'm just trying to read through the Word of God like I have for these last five weeks. Paul is talking about an area of our life that is really important for us to find because he makes it clear here, if we're not working, there gets a place where we just become locked in the wrong way of thinking and wrong way about working our life. He goes on and says, Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness, eat their own bread, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. You know, Solomon's position on this is actually almost exactly the same as Paul's. In Proverbs chapter 10, Solomon says this, Lazy men are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Anyone notice that the Bible is like pretty straightforward sometimes? Lazy men get poor, but... Hard workers can get rich. A wise youth, verse 5, uh, makes hay while the sun shines. But what a shame it is to see a lad who sleeps away 
his hour of opportunity. I, I was reading that and meditating. Why is he talking about young people here? Why, why do young people matter in this situation? I, I started to realise young people matter because young people would turn into old people like me. And if you don't work hard when you're young, all of a sudden you get old and it's way harder to work hard. And you've got to look back and go, gee, I wish I saved some money back then. Can I have an amen from somebody that knows what I'm talking about? Gee, I wish I chose a different path of job way back then. Gee, I wish I worked a little bit harder when I was younger and travelled a little bit less and, and set myself up a little bit more because now I'm old. Things are all the more difficult. Paul's clear on this. Solomon's clear on this. I'm not preaching Tim's opinion here. I'm going to the Word of God and what he speaks to for our lives. In verse 23, he says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. What's he saying, verse 23? And whatever you do. Listen, sometimes I think we get this picture in our head that we need the perfect job. I want to speak if there's young people in the room and this has been some. I need the perfect job. Paul sets you free from that right here. He said, whatever you do, do it as if you're serving God. The perfect job may come. The perfect situation may come. And it may not be the perfect situation right now, but whatever you do, do it as if you're serving God. Whatever's going on, whatever job you're at right now, listen, I put in 500 job applications and all I got was this, and it's not really what I want, so I'm going to wait a little longer. He, writer of Proverbs says, hey, get moving right now. Because whatever's in front of you, do it as if you're serving God. Do it as if right now, it's not just for me, it's for, for the kingdom of God. And he says, do it heartily. What does heartily mean? If you, if you go back and look at the original Greek, it actually talks about let your soul be involved in your work or let your heart be involved in your work. In fact, he's saying this, if you're an employee, put your heart into what you do. I'm, I, I help a lot of young people get work and not many of them come to me and say, PT, I just love what I do. I've just got my heart in that. But my encouragement to them is this, put your heart into whatever you do. I tell you what, a boss that sees your heart in a job and sees the fact that you care about your job and care about what you do because your heart's in it, I tell you, that's a boss that will always be happy with you and you will always get promoted. You don't do it for promotion, you do it because the Bible tells us put our heart into what we do. Serve and get involved in that. You know, when you put your heart into something, it goes beyond just a task, just a job. It goes to now actually doing something with my life. I read a couple of great quotes during the week. Uh, one of them said this, there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's all life. Balance actually has to be inside of you. Remember when we talked about peace? If the peace of God has directed you to a place of work, I tell you, it's so much easier to be balanced in what you do. It's so much easier to be balanced because the peace is in you. Have you ever noticed this? It is very rare for peace to be in your job. It's very rare for peace to be with your workmates. But if peace is inside you, you can have work-life balance so much easier because you understand, I'm giving my life in my work environment right now. I heard another great quote. If you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. We live in a generation, they call it quiet quit these days. It happens slowly and I'm out. Uh, listen, I'm not pointing fingers. I, I help so many people get work, get jobs. And most of them I need to help get multiple jobs because of the, the quitting. And, and we live in a generation where it's like, ah, it's too hard, I'm out. Listen, I want to speak to you. 
we're going to understand what Paul was trying to show us here, that there is a place in our lives that, yes, it's going to be difficult. When you put your heart into it, when you're serving God, even in your work environment, and understanding that work matters to God as much as it matters to you, when you're doing that and you're outworking it well, when you've got your life going in that direction, listen, quitting becomes something that we have to shift ourselves from. I've been working for City Point Church this July for 25 years. That's a long time. I've seen a lot of people quit in that time. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of pastors come and go. I've seen a lot of situations cause people to shift and change in their life. And, and I often talk to people like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to do this job, do that job. My thing is, hey, sometimes the actual pushing through that is most of the lesson. Sometimes sticking through the hardships, sticking through the moments when things are tough are part of what God's trying to teach you as much as bringing money home to actually support your family. God's trying to teach you something else in your life. In a generation where quitting is okay, I want to speak to it and understand that Paul was speaking to it and saying, serve God, put your heart into it and and don't just serve men, do it as if you're serving God. In fact, he says, and he doesn't beat around the bush here, he says, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive your reward and inheritance. Now, I'm grateful that our jobs, we don't just get paid when we get in heaven. Can I have an amen from somebody that enjoyed paying your rent or your, your phone bill or, or your car payment or putting petrol in your car or putting food on the table today? Thank, thank the Lord that you got paid during the week and you don't just get to heaven and say, thank you for that wonderful mansion. That was awesome. I starved all week, but that mansion's great, God. I'm grateful that we also get physical pay here. Understand the point of what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, your job now is actually bigger than what is just going on here. When you're serving God in what you do, when you're looking past just the circumstances and the situation, and you're saying, God, I'm putting my heart into this and I'm serving just like I'm serving you, something different happens in me. In fact, he says, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done. There's no partiality. As I study this scripture, Paul is talking to the employee clearly here and saying, listen, if you're not serving God the right way in your work environment, God's not going to be happy in that. Now, I know that just seems so weird. I know that seems so crazy. But it says this to me, God cares about your job. He cares about you and He cares about what you're doing in that job. Now, I know this is, this is really strange. It's, it's weird kind of understanding of God speaking this sort of stuff to us but God cares about this God cares about how our attitudes are in our work environment God cares about how we outwork our lives in this place and and God also cares about how you're treated there's no doubt about that but at this point he's not talking about the culture of the work environment he's talking about me and he's talking about you understand this sometimes in the word of God he talks about the culture as a whole But sometimes he stops and says, hey, John, when you're at work, make sure you're serving God with your whole life. I'm talking to you, John. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking to you. But then he's also talking to you. And he's also talking to you and to you and to you and to you and to you. Because he's speaking to the individual here in this moment. And, And we can try and jump out of the individual to the culture of the environment and the culture of work. But Paul drags us back into, John, I'm talking to you. Make sure in your work environment you're doing the right thing. Now listen, this is tough 
Sometimes we don't like that sort of thing being spoken to as individuals, but God sometimes needs to do that to us. He needs to say, hey, Tim, in your work environment, make sure you're giving your best. Yeah, you've been here 25 years, but that's not enough for you to just to go, oh, I've been here a long time, I can get away with some stuff. No, Tim, give your best in this situation. Give your best to what God's called you to do. Give your best to where you're at right now. Give your best to this moment. Now, before you all jump up and down too much, because I know I've been pointing fingers at all of us here today. Again, this is a moment where I could pull a seat up and sit down and point to me. Before, I, before you get too upset, what about my stupid boss? What about that guy that I just want to strangle tomorrow morning when I get to work? Paul addresses him as well. Can I have an amen from somebody that's happy about that today? Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Listen, if you're an employer in this room, you, you pay people to work for you, understand Paul comes now and he addresses you. He says, hey, you guys, you bosses, make sure with your employees, you're giving them what's just and fair. Realise this, it was also Christians that went out and advocated for, for people to actually get fair pay. It was Christians in great moves of God throughout the British Empire and throughout different areas that advocated for the outworking of this for minimum wages, etc. It was Christians that read scriptures like this and said, hey, something's got to change. People are going to stop being treated poorly. And so we get the understanding of this in our culture today. And I know all of us in the room think we deserve to get paid more. But he says, hey, make sure you give what's just and fair to those that are working for you. And he adds to that and says, knowing that you have a master, knowing that you have somebody in your life that is bigger than you bosses. It's a kingdom mentality. Listen, if you're an employer, understand the kingdom mentality of the fact that you always have a greater boss, that is the God of heaven and earth, that opened the door for your blessing, that opened the door for your business, opened the door for that. And if you keep God central to this, it is really, really important. Richard Branson made this statement recent, recently. He said this, clients do not come first. Employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of your clients. I thought that's a really powerful statement. I love that. I think it is a really incredible statement to look at. The, the employees, listen, look out for them. Look out for their best. Uh, pay them well. Train them. Encourage them. Listen, if you are a boss in the room and your boss never encouraged you, that's no excuse for you not to encourage the people you work with. Encourage them. Lead them well. Develop them well. Help them become everything that God has created them to be. That is your job as a boss. Now, Paul shifts gear totally. He's walked through life. He's helped us understand marriage and kids. And he's helped us understand gathering peace. He's now talked about in work environment. It says that's really important. But he shifts now to areas in our own life when it comes to our own spirituality and how we are to outwork our lives. And I'm going to wrap up this whole series in the next 10 minutes as I talk my way through this. Verse 2 through to verse 6. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. If I can say anything to our church, can you devote yourself to coming before God every single day in your life in a place of prayer 
that you build prayer around who you are, that you continually pray. If your work environment's difficult, pray over it. Let God speak to it. If you're if you walking through challenges in your marriage, pray over that marriage. Listen, if you're not walking through challenge and right now everything's going good in your life, continue to pray. Pray. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is central to who we are. We don't serve a God off in the distance. We serve a God that is walking with us every single day. And prayer is a relationship with the living God. Paul says, continue in a place of prayer. I have a relationship with my friend John and I talk to him. That's how we have a friendship. We talk on the phone sometimes. We talk at church often. This is a friendship relationship. And it is the same with our relationship with God. He says, devote yourself to a relationship with Jesus. Please, as a church, don't just be caught up in religious outworking of life. Devote yourself Monday through to Sunday in a living relationship with a living God that wants to interact with you in a powerful, powerful way. But he says now, with an alert mind. Gee, I meditated on that for a long time over the last couple of weeks. What is Paul talking about? Having an alert mind when we pray. Having alert mind. What, what is that all about? Is he talking about us being smart? Is he, is he talking about us when we pray, we've got to think? Anyone ever realise the difficulty of thinking while you're praying? Oh my goodness, sometimes I'm trying to pray and all of a sudden my mind goes off on this soul tangent of thought and all of a sudden I realise I haven't been praying at all. I've just been worrying about my whole life issues and I've got to come back and say, God, just let me bring that back and lay it at the foot of the cross. I just picked it up and carried it for the last half an hour and it was just as heavy as last time I was carrying it and I just need to come back to just lay it. Before. Can I have an amen from somebody that's done that in their prayer life in the last little while? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. He's not necessarily talking about that. He's talking about an alertness of what God is trying to show us of what's happening around us. Can I just say, in the last 30 years, the devil has been really good at shifting the world slowly. Anyone notice that? Anyone notice how that's happened? In the, in the last 30 years, it's just been such a slow drift in change. A so slow drift in change, in shifting. Alice, can you come and join me up on the platform just for a real brief second and let me just use you as an example for everyone. Quickly, Alice, come up here. She's hard to move. She's difficult to move. See this young lady? This young lady is stubborn. <laughs> See the look on her face? Come and just stand up on the platform for one second. She is stubborn. If you want to tell somebody to do something, some people, they can just be told and they will do it. Alice isn't one of those people. I love Alice. She's amazing. Can I have an amen from her sister Rahanji if this is the truth? Amen. Thank you very much. If I say, Alice, go over there and I push her, she can't help herself but want to fight against that. And listen, parents, parents in the room, hear me for a second. This is a, a free tip for parents in the room. One of the easiest ways to shift your child isn't with this. One of the ways to shift your child is one degree at a time. Sometimes we, we come head on and clash into our children and we're like, change. And they're as stubborn as you because that's where they got the stubbornness from. 
So telling them to change does exactly the same thing as when you hear me preaching about changing at work and you're already angry at me right now because you've been listening to me for the last five minutes and you don't like that I got in your face for a second and talked about changing in your attitude. Yeah, your kids are exactly the same as you. So when you attack them head on, they don't like it and they react to it the same way you do when you're attacked head on. You know what I'm saying? So one of the easiest ways to get your kids to shift is slowly and gently just shift them and allow them to walk slowly in, in, in a slow direction of change, gently. Listen, the devil's done this to us for a generation. For a generation, it's been one thing. Oh, this is now okay. Didn't used to be okay, but this is now okay. That language is now okay. Oh, that flag now means something different. Oh, that rainbow means something different. Oh, now that thing means something different. Now that thing means something different. And all of a sudden, we're changing direction. We're facing the opposite way. And even the church is caught in this. He says, now pray, but be alert. I watch Christians who 10 years ago would be horrified about a belief system. Now it's theirs. Because when we prayed, we know that God loves us and loves the world, but we weren't alert to this. Just gently, just gently, just gently. And now we're facing the opposite direction. Paul says, when you're praying, Pray and be alert to what's actually happening around us. Listen, I, I want us to be real careful as a church because we can go from alert to like, ah, I want to fix everything and go crazy in this outworking. Paul addresses that again in a second. He, he keeps on talking about this whole situation. But he says we need an alertness about our lives and about our thinking and about our belief systems. Otherwise, we just slowly shift, 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 slowly shift. And all of a sudden, we're now facing the opposite direction. Listen, if the devil would come in and just like, ah, 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 we, we're all like, I'm not going to change. But slowly, again, as parents, sometimes we just need to walk slowly with our kids and just a conversation. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about your way of thinking? What do you think about your behavior here? Hey, what? And we walk slowly with them, work slowly with them till something actually shifts in their head and they realize, oh, I've got to change this behavior. Sometimes the pain of being a parent is the slow journey of walking through the stubborn DNA that you gave them and helping them to shift and to change. Thank you very much, Alice. You can smile now as you go back to your seat. It's the shift. It's the change. And he says, pray continually, but be careful what's going on around you. If you're not alert, you're all of a sudden walking backwards and you didn't even realize you're walking backwards because this is the culture of the 21st century world. I tell you, every day, I just watched a, a, a news article that was talking uh, about uh, a situation in New South Wales where they were talking about schools, Christian schools that had Christian belief system. And I was grateful to hear the, the, the Premier of New South Wales make a statement. He said, it's not illegal to be a Christian in the world today. I gratefully made that statement. I gratefully was... Bold enough to actually declare something of the truth. But be careful of us being shifted. Church, we're shifted by one thing, this thing. This is the thing that shifts us. This doesn't change. The world's changed, there's no doubt. It's trying to change you. Of that, there is no doubt. But it's still true. It's still speaking to our lives. It's still the fundamental truth into who we are. And Paul says, pray, stand on the Word of God. And be careful 
What's trying to shift your thinking from what the Word of God is speaking to who you are? Pray, uh, devote, yourself, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let me remind you, every time God does something great in our world, stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank Him for, the, for the, what He's done in our lives. Gratitude is central to who we are. Pray for us too, He says in verse 3 and 4, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about the mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You know when you read something in the Bible, you feel like you're being set up for something. Does anyone ever feel that way? Sometimes I read a verse and I'm like, hold on, hold on. He just chucks something in there like he's trying to set me up. I often have discussions with people. I remember talking to someone, they're like, oh, my friend is so judgmental and my friend is this and that. And I'm having this discussion about your judgmental friend. Let's have this discussion about your judgmental friend. I like this sort of discussion about your judgmental friend. And they're like, oh, you'll do like this discussion? Because as we're doing that, I'm about to set them up and saying, do you realize right now you're being judgmental on your judgmental friend? You've got an issue with your judgmental friend that you're actually outworking that. I was setting you up big time for that conversation. Can I have an amen from somebody who likes doing that? Paul's doing that to us right here. He says, pray often. And whilst you're praying, can you please be praying for me, Deb? Whilst you're on your knees, in the pain of your knees being there in prayer, can you pray for me that I could just advance the gospel? I could win people to Christ because I'm right now in chains and in prison. But whilst I'm in prison, whilst I'm getting whipped and beaten, whilst my life's so tough that I could reach the people for Christ that God's got me to reach. He's setting us up big time. He's setting us up. To, to throw something at us that's going to make us feel really, really uncomfortable. And I, I, can, I can see it as I'm reading through this verse. Paul is just laying out this conversation so good. Pray for me. I'm in chains. I'm in pain. You know, my wrists are sore. My back's been beaten. I'm sleeping in these cold prisons. But whilst I'm here, can you pray that I could advance the gospel and share my faith with people as I should be? What a powerful, powerful statement. This guy understands the power of what his life's about and he's setting us up to say something just as powerful to us. He's tongue in cheek. He's ready to lay it out to us. I'm still sharing my faith in prison. I'm on my way to go and see Caesar. I'm about to get my head chopped off. I'm getting whipped and beaten every day for sharing my faith, but pray I can keep sharing it in the best possible way. And now he goes on and says, and you, and you live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Oh, but Paul, the other day I was at work and I shared my faith with somebody and they called me a Bible basher. Paul, you don't know the pain of what I'm dealing with in my work environment now. The things are a little tense. You know what? He's already set you up for having no excuse. He says, whilst I'm in chains, whilst I'm in prison, whilst I'm in pain, can you pray that I make the most of every opportunity that God opens up for me, that I can speak boldly, that I can do it at my best? And you, you lot that aren't in prison right now, you lot that slept in your comfortable bed last night, you lot that don't have chains while you're trying to sleep at night. And you lot that didn't get whipped and beaten last night, make sure you make every opportunity that you have to share your faith become a moment of power. That you take every 
opportunity. Does anyone feel disarmed by Paul right there? Does anyone feel like my excuses for, oh, I didn't quite feel like it was the moment last week to share Jesus with my friend. Does anyone feel like you're a little disempowered with Paul's chains comment right there? He says this, that you would make the most of every, every opportunity, but let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that they will have the right response for everyone. That you are gracious and attractive. Listen, sometimes Christians are very unattractive. We've seen across the globe the, the placard-bearing Christians. Every sinner is going to hell. That's the truth. We were going to hell without Jesus. That's the truth. But there's an attractiveness of the beauty of the gospel that can be done without being ridiculous. And Paul's saying right here, listen, I'm sharing my faith in my pain and in my challenge and in my difficulty. You find your place to share your faith and bring the beauty of the gospel to people all around you. Wherever the opportunity is, you take the opportunity. But listen, don't be an idiot about that. Find your place to do this. Don't just react to the world around you. You know, sometimes people don't need to hear your pet peeve with the world and the situations of the world. They need to hear that Jesus loves them and the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus died for them to redeem them, to set them free. They don't need your pet peeve with every situation that's going on around them, your pet hatred, your pet challenge. They need the beauty of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus and it's His blood and His grace that changes our world. And it's His love for humanity that put Him upon a cross. The world needs to hear the power of that. Charles Spurgeon said this, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus Christ, you seem to get a new heaven here upon earth. Kirk Cameron said this, if you had the cure of cancer, wouldn't you share it? You have the cure to death. Get out there and share it. Listen, I wrap up this whole series that we've been walking through with the reality of the fact that we've been called right now to take this beautiful gospel that is changing our lives and transforming our hearts and shifting who we are every single day to now take it beyond our world into a world around us that needs the beauty of Jesus Christ. It needs grace. It needs love. It needs the reality that God can heal, deliver, and God can change people's lives. They're in your work environment. They're right now in your street. They're in your neighbourhood. They're around you. And Jesus needs to touch those hearts and lives. And listen, we see in, the, in Paul's letters, he says, how can the gospel get out there unless we are the ones that go and take it? We're the ones that pick it up and we bring it out and we share it powerfully. And we allow hearts and minds and lives and neighbours and friends and relatives to see their lives be transformed by the beautiful power of Jesus Christ that we have. Paul disarms us. He says, hey, there's no excuse. I'm in chains right now. Please pray for me that I can use my opportunities. You're not. Use yours. I love how the New King James puts it. It says that we could redeem the time. We could redeem the time. Listen, these days need redemption. They need redemption from a group of people that would rise up and say, God, allow me to share my faith wherever I go. Let, let my work be a sharing of faith. 
let my attitude in a terrible work environment be a sharing of faith, that I could stop and get an opportunity just to tell people about the great love of Jesus Christ that has changed me, that has transformed me, that we could find our place. Church, as we head into a whole new year, we're here on, on a day of encouraging you to serve and to be a part of the house of God. Where can you find your place of serving God? Where can you find your place of being involved? Where can you find your place of saying, God, use me? As Paul said so powerfully for our lives, whatever you do, wherever you're at, you're serving Him. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you today for the beauty of the gospel, for the beauty of the fact that, Jesus, you love us. Your word is so clear on that. It's so clear. God, I thank you for what these last weeks have spoken to us and spoken to our lives as we've walked our way through Colossians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 4. You let your word just direct us and guide us and shift some of us. We've shifted our thinking. We've shifted our outworking, shifted our belief system. God, we read through some things today that may be a little challenging. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you help us to shift, help us to move, help us to understand what you're trying to say to us here today. Central to all of it is you're trying to tell us that, Jesus, you love us and you love the world. You love people that maybe today don't know you and you want to know them. Jesus, I thank you that as we see through the Gospels, you're that Father, that adoring Father, waiting for the returning Son. You're waiting for people that don't know you to return to you. God, I pray for people that may be like that here in this room this morning, maybe invited by a friend, maybe just step foot in the house, not even sure why they're here. Father waiting with open arms. Jesus, your gospel shows us that you're waiting there to interact with those people, to interact, call them back into relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.